0: where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig.
1: Welcome to the NARPUM podcast, and I just really want to say thank you so much for downloading or listening to the podcast. When I see you guys or, or meet somebody uh, at one of the conferences and they tell me that, that they listen, um, I'm always just uh, flattered. So thank you so much. Got a great show today. We are actually speaking with NARPUM 2023 President Tim Weiner. For those of you who don't know Tim, he's the vice president, or was the vice president for Dotson Properties, and is now a bigwig over at Everness due to their merger in 2022. And we're going to actually talk to Tim about that merger. He served as an RVP treasurer, and of course now he's the president of NARPUM. Tim outkicked his coverage in marrying his very lovely and understanding wife, Megan. They spent the majority of their time with their two sons, August and Elijah. So today... My hot topic is going to be about the three KPIs that I looked at to turn my maintenance division from the biggest challenge in my organization to the brightest star in my organization. So at one point at Empire, we were churning a little over 33% of doors per year, which is obviously just you can't sustain that. And when we looked into it, we realized that maintenance was the number one reason. I'd love to have told you that you know people selling off was the number one reason, but it was actually unhappy clients and maintenance was, was a challenge. And so I had to restructure maintenance. And when I restructured it, I needed to, to make sure that I was looking at the right key performance indicators. And so I developed three numbers. That I started looking at and by looking at those three numbers and getting the team to start looking at those three numbers and understand the importance of those three numbers, we were able to reduce our churn and people were now staying because of our maintenance. So, okay, Pete, what are the three numbers? All right. First number, customer satisfaction. Customer satisfaction. We had property meld and with property meld, every time a work order was completed, a survey would go out to the resident to determine if the resident was happy or not. Well, it's a one to five, and our CSAT was down to about 3.1. We got it up to a 4.2, and our, our KPI was over 4.2, and we got to a 4.3 or 4.4. So we ended up realizing, you know, by tracking this number, I knew that the residents were were happy. That you know, and of course, a lot of factors go into that, right? Getting the job done quickly, getting the job done right, you know, scheduling, communication, all of that goes into it. Now, not everybody fills out a CSAT, and we get that, but a lot of people did because property meld makes it so easy, and uh, it was just a one to, far, one to five star rating. Obviously, if you don't have the ability to track a number, it's going to be very difficult, but we knew that CSAT for us was going to be very important. The second one was percent of open work orders greater than 15 days. So why did I pick 15 days out of the air? No, uh, Property Meld actually had done a bunch of studies, and they told us that when work orders are open greater than 15 days, that's when you start getting negative CSAT. That's when you start getting residents circumventing you, calling, the, calling your owners if they have their information. You start getting... BBB complaints you start getting online negative reviews you start getting lots of more phone calls and it just creates a lot more pressure and stress inside your organization and so we wanted to track that our KPI was percent of open work orders greater than 15 days should have been should be less than 7% and now you'll say well P why can't it be zero because things happen right there are things that are back ordered there are Maybe, maybe residents are out of town and, and even though it's scheduled, they might've pushed the schedule out. So there's always going to be some factors that a work order is open greater than 15 days. And as long as that there's a reason for it, then we're, we're good. And so what we have found when we start, when we first looked at this is that our percent of open work orders greater than 15 days, wasn't even near 7%. It was somewhere in the forties, I believe. And so we had to, create a KPI to bring it down to the 7%. So we didn't go 40 and then 40% say, okay, next week we won 7%. Now it's like, okay, we went 40. Now we went to 35 to 30 to 25 to 20. And we finally got to 7%. And I'll let you know, by the way, my team exceeded that KPI. And it got down to about two to 3% on a monthly basis. And so what I did with my team is if they hit a KPI, they got an attaboy. If they exceeded a KPI, they got a bonus. The third CSAT was percent of open work orders greater than seven days. And this was 15%. And of course, what we're doing here is this is a leading indicator to are the open work orders greater than 15 days. And, and so we were, we wanted to track that so if we can close the work orders at a much quicker rate, your CSAT goes up. So if you can close the easy ones, you know, within seven days or the quick ones within seven days, right, work order comes in, you get it scheduled, your your team goes out there, they complete the work order, it's a one-day job, and that's all done within a week, you're going to get great CSAT scores. And so those are the three numbers that we looked at on a weekly basis. And, and of course, we reported on a monthly basis to... Basically, turn turn around our our maintenance division. We'll be right back, and then we're going to interview. We're going to interview with Narpum President Tim Wayner. We'll be right back.
0: Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white-glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's y-o-u-r-r-i-s.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance.
1: Welcome back, everybody, and as promised, I got my my good buddy and the future president or president-elect Tim Weiner, from NARPM with me. Tim, thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for having me, Pete. Appreciate the time.
1: Oh, you're welcome, man. All right, so Tim, this is
2: gonna, this is gonna be this is gonna be weird. We spent so much time together, just like board meetings, all that sort of stuff, and now I'm gonna pretend like you're just interviewing me, and it's not just a conversation, right?
1: So you know what the funny thing is, man? Liz Klayman, I interviewed her earlier this year, and we've yeah. been friends for years. And when I interviewed her. I actually learned more about Liz than I did when we were just sitting in in meetings together and and so my guess is that you that's and fine. I will probably learn something new about each other even though we've been buddies for a few years serving on the board and everything. So Yeah. Yeah. All well, right, well, I'm so excited though. As of this recording, you will you are the Narpam 2023 president elect, right? We're in 22. Yep. So how how has Narpam impacted your business?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. <clears throat> from a business perspective overall, not just a personal perspective, I think NARPM has had just, I mean, countless impacts of it from, from the, when we started our business to, to now, it's just uh, almost immeasurable, but some things that, that really stick out, just having an understanding of what property management really is and what it means to be a good property manager. You know, Duke and I, I think, went to our first NARPM event in Atlanta was like eastern regional back when we used to do regional conferences i don't know if you remember that but it might have been 2010 ish and we sat down with some folks and you know we didn't really know what the heck we were doing to be honest with you duke had been open for a couple of years and i'd been working for duke for close to one year and you know we were getting by day-to-day scrambling answering phone calls but we didn't have any structure to it Mm -hmm. and so i mean just really basic, simple answer, NARPUM helped us structure our business from top to bottom. So, you know, we went through a a million different iterations on how we do this thing. Like, you know, we did departmental model, we did portfolio-based model, we do kind of a hybrid now. NARPUM has been there every step of the way to help us help our leadership grow and then also help our people grow. We've always made it a really big point back when we were Dodson to get our folks involved, you know, as leaders of a business, you only have so many hours in a day. And obviously you want to devote as much as you can to, to your people, but. You don't always have that extra hour, two hours a day to try to give to your people to develop them. And NARPM has done a really good job of helping us there as well. So I know that was kind of a long winded answer, but I'm sure you felt some of the same things in your world too.
1: So two things. One is I I truly believe that your business only grows to the level of your competency as a leader. And yeah. so, having NARPUM hold your hand and give you those growth spurts of yeah. leadership allows you to grow your business. And then, uh, so I got a I got an interesting tidbit. You probably do, maybe not know this. My first conference was NARPUM National in San Diego back in I think it was 2015 or 2016. And one in of the La Jolla, yeah, La Jolla, yep. And one of the first people I I sat down and listened to as a presenter was Duke Dotson, and. <laughs> I literally that that whole conference my my head was completely blown. I wrote so many notes and then I realized I hope
2: you, I hope you lost them all if there were notes from him.
1: <laughs> so, if if you are a member listening and you have not been to a national conference, it's it's highly highly recommended.
2: Oh yeah, I mean I, I remember that conference very very well. It was actually, you know, just personal tidbit, but I think that was We had been to maybe one other national conference and Duke and I had decided that we were going to go out there we actually flew our dads out there and played golf one day before the conference and then Duke's dad went to like all the sessions it was great, but I remember taking a lot of notes in that one as well, obviously it was beautiful and so it's nice to be engaged in that but yeah it was it was a really great event as as you know all the national conferences are.
1: If you ever want to learn how to take the most advantage of a conference, I actually did a podcast with Deb Newell and I would highly recommend you you go back and look and listen to that podcast if you're listening now. And Deb has some really great tidbits on on how to get the most out of a out of a conference.
2: All right, it, so, it, well, that's an important that's an important piece of it because there's so much when you go to a conference, you really do have to have a strategy.
1: Yeah. Or your team's gonna hate you if you've come back and thyroid <laughs> them mouth and you want to let everybody know.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: So Tim, you have two two young children and being on the board at NARPM, especially at the national level, requires a lot of time and travel. So mm-hmm. why do you give back so much to NARPM?
2: Well, I suppose I can answer that question in a similar way to answering your first question. But yeah, I mean, I've got two little boys, six and four, sitting back there right behind me if you're on video. And it is a sacrifice to not be with them a lot of the time when we're traveling quite a bit and it. And it's tough, but I think it's important, you know, the, 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 maybe the, the martyr answer is, oh, I just love giving back. And it, it inspires me to, to see people smile on their faces when, you know, I'm able to help them learn something new or create an organization that helps somebody, you know, selfishly. I think NARPM is, NARPM has given so much to me personally, you know, the first question was about the business, but to me personally, you know, leadership skills, understanding new perspectives. You know dealing with scott abernathy is a lesson that i'll take with me <laughs> from from now until my my deathbed trying, learning to deal with personalities like that you know, it's given it's given me so much it's worth the sacrifice to try to get back to that organization i almost i must view norpam as, as a person like thank you so much for your friendship over the years because it's it's just given me so much but you know the other side of it too is the relationships they're really important to me i mean i tease scott all the time he'd tease me right back but that's somebody that I can rely on every day of my life. If I have a personal issue, business issue, whatever it may be. And furthering those relationships with people who are in the trenches with you on a daily basis is really important. And when you're around the leaders in NARPAM, you know, you've experienced this. It's the it's the best of the best of the NARPAM folks. So developing those relationships is really important to me, not only from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective, right? I was one of my one of my go-to people when I'm having issues with my kids is Melissa Sharon, right? We, <laughs> she's got young kids too. She sacrifices and it's like, Hey, why do, why do we do this? And it's because, you know, you don't always get those relationships just from, just from being right. You know, being in the industry on your own, it's a lot different than having people that you can, that you can serve with and develop those big relationships with. Yeah. Does
1: that answer your question? It does. I, Look, when I was a when I was the regional vice president, man, I get to I got to meet the the cream of the crop of property managers, yeah. all from all over the country, yeah. and that was really great to see all the different perspectives and learn from so many great people. Yeah, so, I mean, I
2: think that's a that's a really valuable life lesson.
1: Yeah, not just at NARPM, but like where you know wherever you're whatever you're doing, where can you meet those those people to bring to bring you to the next level? Where you know where can you meet the people that they're there where you want to be, right? How do you, how do you get there?
2: Yeah. And they, and they push your limits. They stretch you, you know, they, they stretch your thought process, how hard you're willing to work and your understanding of property management, you know, it's always changing. And so if, if you're, if you're not paying attention, it can pass you by pretty quick. And the people that are paying attention are the people that are involved. Yeah. And I think that's really, that's really, really important. in, in, in furthering the way we take this industry and the way we shape the organization, which I think, I think NARPUM, you know, back to your original question, you know, what's NARPAM given to your business? It's helped us stay on the forefront of what's happening in the industry. And I think it's our duty as leaders to make sure that that, that NARPM stays on the forefront of the industry. And that's, that's another reason why I like to give back.
1: So you you've been involved in property management for many years now. So how did you get in the business and more importantly, what keeps you in it?
2: I got kind of a long story on how it's kind of a funny story. So maybe I'll, I'll share it you know, like everybody who's in the business now, I just grew up dreaming of being a property manager. And that's, <laughs> so when I was, when I was six now. Astronaut,
1: property manager, baseball exactly, player.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No. So no, it's funny. You know, I graduated college in 2008. Not the best time to graduate college. If, if, if we all remember during the was great the recession.
1: Subprime, the subprime deal hit us in 08.
2: Subprime deal hit us. The great recession hit us. I think I was one of like 20% of my graduating class to have a job leaving college, which is a very you know, usually that percentage is inverse. It's 80% versus right. I think it's even more than that now. But went off, went up to DC, had a job for a year, got laid off, unfortunately, moved back to Richmond, Virginia, which is kind of where my college that I went to is just outside of that and uh, was just working like retail jobs, anything I could pick up and decided that I was going to go to a networking event at 730 in the morning. For, which to a 23-year-old is pretty early <laughs> for the college that I went to and woke up at like 6.30. My friend had come into town. We had gone out the night before. I was like, oh, I'm going to skip it. And then I was like, no, you know what? You got to get your butt up and go. And I went and I actually met Duke Dodson who owned the company at the time. It was him and one other person and met him, kind of developed a little bit of a relationship. He needed some help two weeks later uh, he called me and said, Hey, can you come in for, for a couple of days while I hire somebody else? So I was working for Duke in the morning and then working at Dick's Sporting Goods in the afternoon. And after about a month, Duke said, Hey, I can't really find anybody else that I like. So do you just want to stay on for a while? And I said, all right, sounds good. And that was in 2009, June of 2009. So I've, I've stuck around ever since, I guess.
1: So that's interesting because most people come in from either the investor side or from the realty side. So you're mm-hmm. that small percentage that came in a, a different way.
2: And I just, so- that, Yep, just just got into it literally. And I did every single job under the sun for Dotson At the time, we were part of a different brokerage. And so I split time. I was basically a, a, a secretary slash property manager assistant. So I did like contracts and stuff for the, the, the brokerage side of the business. And then I answered phones and set appointments for a leasing agent on the Dodson property management side. So- fortunately that gave me a really awesome ground level view of what this whole thing is and so you know moving up through property manager and then eventually uh, to coo of Dodson, you know I've, I've served in all those different jobs so i've got a pretty good perspective on it
1: so do you would you say that the growth of of the company allowing you to serve in all those different jobs is kind of why you maintained and stayed in the industry or did you just have a love affair with the industry or why yeah, um, why stay so long
2: like yeah like to be to be frank, and I hope he doesn't download this, but I mean, my relationship with Duke was a big part of it. My involvement with NARPM has been a big part of it. Obviously, you know, I'd love to say it's all about other people, but there, there's a really great part about being involved and volunteering your time and giving back that keeps you keeps you attached to the industry. I do love the industry. I, I think you have an opportunity to deal with human beings every day, and I think that is a strength of mine, and that's what gives me some energy and keeps me going throughout the day. Is is leading and coaching people and then also providing good experiences for people on the customer service side. So I think that's really where I've fallen in love with it is just the human aspect. I know that's the, that might be the easy answer is, oh, I love the people. But for me, it's really true. And it's, self, it's selfish because I get energy from that. That's what inspires me every day and gets me out of bed in the morning is trying to trying to help folks get better and have positive experiences.
1: So the big news before we schedule this was that Dodson and Evernest merged. Yes. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about the decision to merge with, with Evernest or are you not inclined to say anything or how much can you tell us about what the reason, you know, what the, 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 the behind it or, and, or what's the, how's the due diligence process. So if somebody is actually looking to merge or sell or buy, what are some of the pitfalls that they should be looking at when they, when they go through this process?
2: Yeah, so obviously two two distinct parts and I'll try to remember the second part. If I forget to it, please I'll, remind I'll, me of I'll it again. Mm-hmm. But the first part, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, I mean, I think it dates back. We did a podcast about this on the Everness side. So there's- So there's yeah, Everness got
1: the scoop on this one, folks, but NARPM came an, in pretty quick.
2: <laughs> there's another podcast that was after business hours. So I was, I was drinking some White Claws. So I was a little more loose lipped <laughs> during that one. But yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, the, the iterations of this are we've been pals with Matthew and, and his squad for a long time, about 10 years. I mean, we kind of, we met, I think at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago at a, at a NARPM conference, went to dinner, picked each other's brains.
1: And I know you guys and are in a kind of a mastermind together for yeah, many yep, years. Started right?
2: a mastermind together with, with some other groups and just really kind of grew up in this industry together. We had always kind of chit chatted about, hey, maybe we'll do this, and maybe, we'll, maybe, maybe we'll team up one day because we had been so aligned in vision and the way we grew our companies, and you know what our end goals were. That we had always kind of chit chatted about it, and we'd gone through a little bit of uh, turmoil at Dodson, some turnover and some leadership positions, and suddenly it just made sense to 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 make to make the call. I mean, I think it was probably something, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it was maybe always inevitable. You know, both companies, we were growth mindset, but also, you know, really focused on our employees and the, and the customer experience. And so it just but made sense I do sense have to, to ask,
1: is the, is the mind and the purers of the world, did they kind of spark some of this?
2: I mean, I think you have to be paying attention to the industry, right? I mean, you know, I think we we don't necessarily all know what's going to be what it's going to be like in five years, and and so yeah, I mean I'm not saying we looked at Mind and and Pure and all those folks and said, well we better do this now or or we're we're in a lot of trouble because I think there would have been space for Evernest and Dodson Property Management to play. You know, we were both on really great trajectories. Dodson had expanded into. HOA management, small multifamily management, build to rent, multifamily commercial, short term rentals. So we had a bunch of different business lines that we were that we were using as verticals to grow. So I think there was still going to be space for us. But yeah, I mean I think I think you look around the industry and you say, well, here's a trend. Is this is this a trend we want to follow? Can we do it as well? Can we do it better? Are there pitfalls that we've seen that we can try to avoid and maybe even elevate quicker and, and faster. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I'm not going to say it's a direct result of that stuff happening, but yeah, I mean, I think you got to pay attention to what's going on in the industry and, and make strategic decisions to help you get to your goals.
1: So tell me a little bit about, okay, you guys made a decision. Um, mm-hmm. One of the big thing is how do you let your team know? Was there a yeah. small finite group of people that knew from the beginning? And then did we let the team know after it happened and, and how did the team react and give it kind of give us through that, that. Okay. Now we told everybody like, give us that little piece of it.
2: Yeah. So another funny story. I got a, I got a bunch of funny stories for you today, Pete. Sorry. I know
1: you do, man. I mean, that, uh-huh. that's the only reason why I served on the board with you is for your funny stories. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we'll see if you actually think this one's funny or not. It was funny to me because it was nerve wracking as heck. Yes we let a small group of people know on our leadership team at Dotson what was going on. It it seemed the appropriate way to do things to get buy-in, because I think, you know, anytime there's a change, especially a massive change like that, you're going to, you're going to have an emotional response to it. Right. And people, there's only so much information you can get out when you sit in front of an entire company to fill in the blanks with folks. And so people are going to naturally fill in the blanks with the worst case scenario. So for us, a little bit of a strategy was one, the people on our leadership team have been around here for a long time. So out of respect, we're going to let them know what's happening. And two, that'll help us with buy-in down, down the line It's like, hey, if these folks are in the know as to what's going on, they'll be able to answer questions with people that they have more direct relationships with. So I think there were about eight or nine people at Dodson that knew. And then you get to the day of, right, where you're to, where you got to announce it to everybody. I'll tell you that's a nerve, a little bit of a nerve wracking day. Um, yes, it
1: is. I've been there.
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be one of the people in the audience having my response come from that perspective. Well, unfortunately, Duke ended up in the hospital that day. Oh, um, yeah. So he had he had a little uh, he had a little issue, and so about forty five minutes before we were sl- slated to tell everyone at an all staff meeting, Duke texted me and said, "Hey, by the way, you have to tell everyone this news." <laughs> so. Without much, <laughs> without, without much. And how many, te- how many
1: team members does do, did, did Dotson have at the time?
2: So overall we had about 165, and a about hundred, yeah. yeah, about a hundred went over to Evernest. So, yeah. So we had a lot of people on zoom, you know, we had about probably 80 people in person in our office and without much notice, I had to get up in front of everyone and, and let them know <laughs> what was going on. I will say, you know, for those of people who are thinking about going through it don't expect it to be an easy experience but it's an extremely rewarding experience especially if you're if you're close with your staff like i was i mean i've got we've got, we've got people on our staff that you know come to my kids birthday parties i go to their kids birthday parties right. we've gone on double dates with people you know like people you're really really tight with um, and know intimate details about your your life and you've spent a lot of time growing up together and so it's an emotional experience but it's a really positive one when you're talking about the opportunities that you're working on developing for those folks and you're just able to get that message out to them and say, hey, you know, one, thank you for your time for, with Dodson, we're not going anywhere. It's just, you know, it's just the next chapter in the Dodson story and we're called Evernest. is kind of how, how I look at it. And so it was a really rewarding experience to, to actually get to tell people. I, I end up being re- really happy that Duke was in the hospital because I got to be on that side of it instead of sitting in the audience.
1: Now you said 100 out of 165 went over to Evernest. Did the other 65, what happened to those folks? They
2: just- So Dotson Property Management still exists. So okay. there's a development group there, short-term rentals and commercial property management stayed as Dotson Property Management. And then we actually, at the same time-
0: So did Evernest buy all after-
2: the
1: single family contracts? I'm sorry? Did Evernest merge with the single family division? Is that how- Evernest-
2: yeah, Everness merged single-family homeowners association management and small multifamily. Okay. And then Atrium Management, who's Michael Krauss and, and Adam Wohlers out of Orlando, Orlando, right? Yep. Yeah, they bought our multifamily division. So, okay. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of an all at once sort of thing. Now is so Duke
1: he, is Duke on some beach now retired or is, does he take did he take a position with Atrium or with
2: or is he still running
1: the, the little piece of Dotson? What What is he doing?
2: Yeah, so, so he's running the little piece of Dotson, and then he's also helping on the Evernest side, on the acquisition side. So he's working, his team is working on finding targets and companies to partner with, and, and those, those folks who are ready to either exit the industry or partner or merge with, with Evernest. His team works on that side of it. So he's, he's probably about part, half, half time with Evernest, half time with, with Dotson and his development projects.
1: It's funny. It's like, when you talk, when we talk growth back, back a few years ago, growth was like, how many contracts can I get? How many PM contracts can I get? Mm-hmm. Now growth is acquisitions. How many PM companies can I merge with or purchase or anything like that? Yeah. So,
2: well, right. and that, it, that's certainly an important part of it, but I, you know, I wouldn't discredit the organic growth. It's still out there, especially with the, the economy, the way it's going, you know, you got to be set up over the next year and a half to.
1: So when you say the, uh, the way the economy is going, what do you mean yeah. by that?
2: A lot more I mean, a lot
1: a lot more of the reluctant landlords coming our way
2: accidental landlords yeah it's, yeah. it's starting to feel that way isn't it I mean interest mm-hmm. rates are going up and and, and uh, you know market slowing a, it's
1: still it's still a uh, it's still a hot market but it's definitely not white hot
2: doesn't feel yeah. like it felt form even four months ago does it no definitely yeah. not and so I, you know I was just speaking of Narpa we were we just had our, our our board meeting in Atlanta we got together and uh, you know, we were talking about trends. One of the big things we were talking about. You know, it's great to hear when you have a group of people from all over the country what's going on in each one of their markets, right? And so, I actually heard the word foreclosures twice. Wow. Um, so, Some you know, Marios. that's not necessarily that's not necessarily happening in Richmond where we are, and I haven't heard that that much, but I've heard that they're up. They're, you know, there's there's trends that they may be happening again. So it's you know certainly not like 2010 or so, but you know, the, the economy is probably headed towards recession light. And so in, in circumstances like that, typically that's a time for growth in, in property management. And the well, other let's, side of let's, it let's pivot that way.
1: So let's pivot that yeah. way. So I actually, you know, called you numerous times and just picked your brain because you yeah. personally and Dotson as a company did an amazing job on getting those contracts on, on finding new business. you're, sales process, your marketing and sales process, I felt were just amazing. And, you know, we picked your brain numerous times. So if someone's listening to this, and and they, you know, they're having some struggles, maybe getting some new clients, what are some of the things that Dotson did that maybe, or that you did personally, that maybe you can uh, give a couple of, of, you know, tidbits or nuggets to some of the folks listening so that they can increase their business?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's a great question. And thank you for your compliment. One, thank you for calling us and asking about it. And then thank you for broadcasting it over on your podcast that we did a good <laughs> job at it. But no, I mean, I think what we did really well at Dodson and now at Everness is we matched our sales process to who we are. You know, I, I've taught a few classes and I think when I was a little bit younger and we first had this idea, I was a little bit pompous about, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. But I think in retrospect, what we did really well is just match our process to who we are as, a, as an organization, right? When you're selling somebody, there's only so much difference between services and pricing. And obviously you can, you can, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be bottom barrel pricing. And I'm going to try to get on Google ads and try to do a, you know, some campaigns. And then I'm going to get a bunch of leads. Well, that'll work for a time, but at the end of the day, you really got to match who you are. So our philosophy was, we got to tell our story. And I think people out there listening, you should tell your story somebody's going to buy your story more than your services. Now they might be intertwined, but they're going to buy your story. And if your story, if your story and your services and how you're presenting those things all match up, it's going to feel. Natural. Like some natural and that somebody can easily get lost in that not lost, but they can buy into it. Excuse me. So, you know, one of the things that we did first, just to tell our story a little bit is we built a pitch deck that was very engaging, was very, out there was very, you know, super branded our way, super, like I said, engaging with somebody, something we could just leave behind. It wasn't a piece of paper and it wasn't, hey, we're going to come into your living room and we're going to sit down and we're going to show you our contract and we're going to tell you our pricing and we're going to sit in your kitchen and tell you, you know, this flooring needs to get pulled up. Our, our story was, hey, we're a tech first company. We're going to be efficient with your time. We're going to be efficient with our time. And we're going to, we're going to understand your wants and needs and where you are. So we actually, I think we're some of the first folks to do zoom sales pitches. So our salespeople were very busy between 1130 and one during people's lunch hours. Yeah, We were not sending people to people's houses at seven thirty at night saying, Hey, here's our contract. Here's our lead behind. We I still find pitch- it amazing
1: that people still do that, right? They still yeah. go into these houses. So, so if if you didn't go to a house, let me just gotta ask, what did you do to make sure, like, okay, we can manage this house? It's it's a it's something that we would manage.
2: Yeah, so it's not. <laughs> I'm not certain that that you have to go to somebody's house to understand that, right? There's some tools out there that you know the the naughty Z word Zillow, you know uh, go- you can get Google on Zillow.
1: Uh, isn't is Google Earth another one of our friends, right?
2: G- Google Earth, and then we you know we had something in our contract that said. Our salespeople are not experts in property management. They understand property management. They may have done property management.
1: So, you had separate BDMs selling services and then they would hand over to the property manager? Hand it over to property
2: management. Yep. And our senior property managers, our experts in this, had an ability to go assess the property and, and have an out essentially. It didn't happen that often, quite frankly.
1: Did you have the PMs the...
2: actually go to the property
1: and do like an assessment or did you actually yeah, have like I... a field text
2: go? Yeah. So after, after we, it varied a little bit. So here's mm-hmm. how the process was supposed to work. Sales, research, understand rents, understand what part of town it's in, understand if those are areas that we service, right? You can tell a lot from the area and the rent.
1: Zip code tells you a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. Zip code tells you a lot. The, the rent tells you a lot, right? And mm-hmm. so if you're, you know, they were responsible for doing a bunch of a bunch of work ahead of time there. Once the contract signed, goes over to operations and our senior property manager is supposed to onboard that, that client. And so they were, they were supposed to go check out the property. Now, is that how it always happened? No. You try to develop people, you give them opportunities Let's to fall, go to the Pause right
1: there real quick. Yeah. Who actually, okay. So the salesperson sold it, but who put all the info, who got, who gathered all the information and put it in the system? Was that the property manager after they got the, the contract from the salespeople and they did their due diligence or, yeah, would, or did the salespeople go get the, Get the keys, if they got the keys, leases, things of that nature.
2: You're you're asking some really deep, detailed questions. So we I've are this all...
1: is a NARPAM podcast. We want to know
2: the, I the details. I love it. Put me on the hot seat. So again, the way it was supposed to go, our, BD, our BDMs did a ton of work up front, right? We had a we had a property information sheet. They were right. supposed to fill it out as much as they possibly could in a discovery call. So, you know, all the details, the rents, all that sort of stuff. Where the water shutoff is, what type of heating it is, what type of cooling it does it have? Central air, does right.
1: it, all that. Which stuff. is great. If it's obviously the reluctant landlord gives you all that information. The investor exactly. from California gives you about two percent of it. <laughs> exactly.
2: No, they 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 don't. Yeah. Even the reluctant landlord, you'd be, you'd be surprised how many people don't know what type of heat they have. <laughs> they, they don't know. They don't. They're paying the bill. They just don't even know. But so obviously, there's upfront work there, and then it would go to. To operations and operations would confirm that information and go out to the property and visit and confirm all that information. So if you can do as much of the upfront work as you can, you save operations a little bit. At what point we even had somebody who was in between, who was, and I would love to get them back. Like an onboarding and, specialist. An onboarding specialist that would bridge that gap. So, Hey, i guessing I was sure. a VA or was that somebody in house? It was somebody in house. We hired this young kid and he was a super go-getter. And it was before we really started using VAs. Connor. I wish he was still here, but he's too smart. He left as he grew up. He left and, and is in the sales world. Good for Connor. Uh, yeah. Good for Connor. But no. All right, So now the it, PM
1: it. gets it and they actually, so in in the, what it's supposed to be, they're supposed to go to the property. Is that right?
2: Yep. Back in the day? Yeah. They're supposed, to, they're supposed to go to the property, grab keys. And then we do have VAs kind of following up a little bit, trying to grab leases and that sort of thing. Got it. Uh, but now, let's EDM say they didn't like. Let's say
1: it was EDM. a it was a property kind of slipped through the cracks. It, it's it's not really one you you can manage or want to manage. What did that look like? Did they just kind of push it back to the salesperson, or did they let the owner know, like, hey, man, we, we we're going to use our clause that you put in your PMA, and we're out of this deal.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think you always want to. It's a tough message to deliver sometimes, mm-hmm. but you always want to just be upfront and direct and say, "Hey, listen." This isn't in our wheelhouse, or this property needs way too much work. Here's our suggestion: if you do all these things, we'd be happy to manage it. Honestly, once you have that conversation, more often than not, they say, "Wow, thank you for the honesty. Let's get this stuff going, and I'll get this in shape, and we can rent it out." And in so it in ends the off
1: up- in the off chance that you didn't take the door, would, I'm I'm assuming the salespeople got paid on a base salary plus commission, or is it all commission? And then would would that would that they would that would get lost, right? That commission would you wouldn't pay out on that commission,
2: I'm guessing? Yeah, correct. Base yeah. base salary plus, plus commission on a per-door mm-hmm. basis.
1: So now- the, so, the, yeah, so we, we, the, we would not. It ha-
2: I'll be honest with you. It happened very rarely. Happened very rarely. Because you had we guidelines. Have,
1: did you have guidelines in place? Like, this is what we will take. This is what we won't take. And then what happens if it fell in that gray area? So you have black, white, been, and
2: you have gray. How'd that work? We, you know, we did, that would have been smart to have that, but we didn't. But we incentivize our property managers to take on more property. So yeah. they, have, they have an incentive- per property that they take on. And so therefore they always were trying to make it work. And so, you know, our strategy for those listening also might be a little bit different than your strategy. Right. We've always wanted to get to a certain door count. And we were in we were in we're always in growth mode. At Evernest, you know, 250 doors is kind of our our goal moving forward. Two hundred and fifty thousand doors is our is our vision. That's a North forward. Star. So yeah. That might not be somebody somebody who wants 250 doors. They might do things a lot differently. Not to say that our sales process couldn't work, but you would need to be a lot more stringent with your guidelines, put in very strict. Hey, here's where I am. Here's the, here's the rent that I want per property. Here's the areas that I want to work in and I don't want to go out here. And you can be more selective and you should write those guidelines in there. If something falls in a gray area, I think you just make a, you just make a call. You say, hey, this is something I want or I don't want. I would say the one thing you really need to do is be prepared. If you don't want it, to have somebody that you know will take it, and you can refer it, so you still are a resource to that owner that signed up
1: with, and you. maybe and maybe even get a commission on that side of things.
2: Exactly, and it's still a good experience for the person that you signed up.
1: All right, Tim, we're up against it. We're going to take a quick break, and then the lightning
2: round. Are you nervous? I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready for the All lightning right. round? All right, we'll be right back. Thanks.
3: PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program. Starting at just $5 per door, you can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations, like bed bugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at PestShare.com forward slash property managers have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants if so VPM solutions is here to help VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistants for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part, VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free no placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. All right, everybody, welcome back. We
1: got my buddy, Tim. Tim, thank you so much for being here again. And are you ready for the lightning round?
2: I was born ready for a lightning round.
1: Oh, man. All right. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. First thing that comes to your mind, just say it. There's supposed to be pretty quick, short answers. If you want to expand on
2: anything, go for it. I can't. Okay. I, you know me enough. I can't do short. So come on. I know. We already want. <laughs> All right.
1: What PM software do you use? Appfolio. Appfolio. What is one piece of advice you'd give somebody just starting out in the PM business?
2: Other than get. Your NARPA membership going. Find a mentor. Find a single mentor or two mentors that you can rely on.
1: That's a great advice. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Heck
2: no, that's gross.
1: (laughs) What book are you currently reading, or what is one that has impacted your business or life?
2: Ooh. Currently, I'm reading the hard things. The hard thing about hard things, and that's pretty good. It's the second time I've read it. I'm gonna look over here. I got a bunch of books right here. Who is a great book for hiring? Love it. It's awesome. Yeah. So if you're if you're struggling with hiring, it's a tif- difficult labor market out here. Who is a good one?
1: Thanks. Which Marvel character do you most associate with?
2: Which Marvel character do I most associate with? That um, stumps
1: a lot of people.
2: <laughs> Ant-Man, because I <laughs> don't know what I'm doing most of the time, but somehow I work hard and it seems to work out most of the time for me, I guess. I don't know. What was your first job? Um, Dick Sporting
1: Goods? I'm sure you started sooner than that.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, first, first job when I was a little kid was a paper route. Paper? Yeah, I did did landscape. But really, other than the paper route thing, I did. My buddy in high school had, like, a little landscaping company started, I think, eighth grade or ninth grade year. And I worked with him. And we ended up kind of expanding it a little bit. It was nice.
1: That's awesome. What is your ideal vacation? Or what is the best vacation you've ever taken? Either one.
2: Well, I just took one a couple weeks ago down to sarasota florida and went to the beach i like i'm not a big huge beach guy i like something with a little bit of city i think typically beach towns have crappy food and i'm a kind of a food nut so i think yeah a couple days at the beach couple days inland where you get a little bit of the mix of both nice
1: other than the Narpen podcast do you have a podcast that you like and that you would recommend
2: matthew will kill me if i don't mention the everness podcast there you go. but i'm All not right. a huge podcast guy i, I you're more I of a book love, guy huh yeah, I don't love audiobooks either. We, we moved out to the suburbs, a couple I guess, a year ago, really, just a year ago. And so I've had to start doing the audiobook thing as I'm driving to work. Went from a five-minute commute to a 27-minute commute. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning there, but it's still, it's not my favorite thing. Do you prefer dogs or cats? Dogs, 100%. Dog yeah, guy. cats are mean.
1: Damn if somebody was wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Text me. Seriously? Text me. Yeah, Energy. absolutely.
2: 804-426-1660. That's Text a first. Me. Text me. Let me know what's going on. I'm happy to help any way I can. Or, or reach out through the NARPM website, at NARPAM.org. There you go. Uh, yeah.
1: If you want to join NARPM, go to narpum.org, narp morg or call the good folks out there at 800-782-3452. If you are interested in virtual team members, virtual assistants, go to vpmsolutions.com. to learn all about my company, or you can email me at pete at
0: vpmsolutions.com.
1: Thanks, Tim, for being here. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks, Pete. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers. The recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig. CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPUM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.